Welcome to the Grip Strip Podcast, episode 28, the uh, a completely farcical weekend at Talladega and uh, Indianapolis being owned by the guy who owns Indianapolis edition of the uh, GSP. Uh, my name is Philip Matthew. I'm here with my co-host, Joshua Fine. What's good, man? Yeah, I'm doing great, Phil. Um, yeah, what an interesting weekend of racing we had. There's just a, a lot of controversy across the board and it's uh, pretty ridiculous, I think. Absolutely. I, I, there's really no uh, there. I mean, we'll both given our 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 fill in terms of what uh, went on there this weekend during the races at Talladega and the IndyCar series had uh, had Joseph Newgarden win one of the races and Winge Power win the other in the process. Joseph Newgarden has cut the gap in the points to where it's going to be a mano a mano battle at St. Petersburg for the championship. Can Joseph Newgarden make the huge comeback 120 points down with like five races to go or six races to go? And can he come back and beat Scott Dixon, who has dominated all year and has gone on a dry spell, an epic dry spell? Um, What? guys like Marco Andretti would wish would be his finishes on a regular basis is not very good for him. Uh, We'll definitely get into that. We'll get into the Alex Bowman news where he's going to be driving. Basically his car is going to be wrapped as the 48 ally car starting next year. Uh, It's probably going to lead into a certain uh, guy who seems to be doing pretty well in a 410 sprint car these days coming back to NASCAR. We'll talk about him. And uh, other things going on, we got NHRA last week, at least Top Fuel and Funny Car ran. Uh, Pro Stock and Pro Stock Motorcycle will have to be made up, I guess, at Vegas or wherever they're going to be going. Uh, Manny Core World Superbikes, and then we'll preview uh, the racing this weekend, MotoGP at Le Mans, all the different series, Moto2, 3, and Moto E. Uh, DTM will be at Zolder. IMSA will be coming back to the Charlotte Roval for the first time since the 80s, or I think so, because they ran back in the ALMS days, they ran Texas and Las Vegas. They didn't run Charlotte back then, I don't believe. I may be wrong. I think maybe it was, it's been at least 20 years since they've ran on that road course at Charlotte. So it'll, that'll be something. And then Cup and Xfinity, of course, will be there. Cup will have their cutoff race there for round two and Xfinity will uh, have their deal there. Uh, Trucks had their cutoff the last week at Talladega. And then we'll also talk about the Eiffel Grand Prix at the Nürburgring where it's going to be quite chilly uh, at the Nürburgring this weekend. And the likelihood of precipitation is high. Um, And there's also precipitation, high likelihood of precipitation at Charlotte. So that'll be cool to watch stock cars on a high banked oval for all the all the LCD people that were sitting in the crowd at Talladega that want to see cars NASCAR run on ovals on the rain. We're going to get to see at least a portion of that. Uh, it'll probably look as good as what the racing was this weekend at Talladega, and that's where we will start. Uh, Denny Hamlin wins the Yellow Wood 500. At Talladega, uh, his seventh win of 2020, he uh, 
they said that he avoided an accident when Matt Benedetto and I think it was William Byron. It may have been Chase. They said it was Chase Elliott. I have no idea. It was just like the way the last few laps of that race went, it, it all kind of blended together. He went underneath the yellow line in turn four and advanced his position. He made up four spots and held that line, held a line getting above the yellow line and held it all the way to the finish to beat Matthew Benedetto so that we could see Matthew Benedetto cry again because um, he's going to get reamed no lube and not have a job next year, which seems like that's where it's going. Uh, he's going to lose his job to Gumby. Uh, there was a lot of accidents, a lot of wrecked race cars. It was There was blocking penalties called in certain situations, but they didn't call it in other cases. It was monkeys fucking a football is basically what racing at Talladega and Daytona is. And um, the idiots that like that think that Talladega racing is good racing or Daytona racing is good racing loved it. Um, at the end of the day, it was um, not. It's 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 like the. I, I'm going to give it to you, Josh. I, I mean, I'm going to start droning on it. it. It pissed me off so much. I have some more that I really have to say. But what were your thoughts on Denny Hamlin not getting penalized for that move uh, that he made? And then some of the other calls that went on during the day and some of the decisions that were made. Yeah. So for me, like like I said on Sunday, like if it's paved, it's fair game. And I don't think the yellow line rule should even exist in the first place. Um, it's clear to me that it stifles the racing because Talladega is the place where you get caught up in a big pack. And if you have a run, you can't dive below into on the, below the yellow line to make a pass. If uh, you're able to do that. And, and I know there's some safety issues with it because you know, you can't go four wide or five wide into turn three. Obviously it has to funnel back into two or three wide. Um, Cause that's probably the best that they could hold that. But for me, like, the the rules shouldn't even exist in the first place. So I actually I'm not really like mad about Denny Hamlin taking advantage of the the yellow line. I mean it looked like he had a run from um, behind and Matt DiBenedetto went and chopped uh, William Byron and and they they kind of made contact and then Denny Hamlin you know he was trying to avoid a wreck. He didn't want to crash into the back of them and uh, dip below the yellow line and then stayed there and then passed everybody but i mean like the rules shouldn't exist and it's just nascar continuing to um get out or not get out of the way but they just continue to um trip over itself and 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 um can't get out of its own way that's that's what this is to me um they continue to make subjective rulings at these races whether it's the yellow line rule in the cup series whether a driver goes down below the line intentionally or he gets forced down there and this race was actually more of the opposite where we never really see drivers get penalized for blocking and forcing another car that's trying to pass them on the inside below the yellow line it's usually um, just a car trying to advance his position and then he gets penalized and then you see in the truck series and in the xfinity series where they've banned bump drafting and that one's subjective because it's almost impossible to not bump draft at uh, both of those uh, series at Talladega and at Daytona. And we've seen some pretty subjective rulings over the years in that series alone from drivers just getting penalized for 
sustaining a bump draft and then at the last five laps of the race all the drivers are basically on top of each other and then the, um, they don't get penalized for it and there's just a lot of inconsistent rulings and it'd just be better off if they just didn't have the rule in the first place and if they didn't have the, those rules either in the truck series and in the Xfinity series just let them get out of the way and um, stop making rules that really don't make any sense and enforcing that and just let them race as it is I mean, if anything, maybe we should have a penalty on blocking in these races because it's kind of stupid how some of these blocks are are, um, played out. Like, they're late and they're in reaction to another driver making a pass. And and I know in other series that gets kind of subjective too. You know, we see that come out on the ovals in IndyCar and, you know, some of the road courses there too where you can get a, a run and make a late bonsai move. But... I mean, maybe maybe that should be something that's enforced, but because that's probably a a dangerous move to make if you have a car that's going like five miles an hour faster than you and you just try to dip right in front of them, where you know, you you don't make it and then you end up chopping him off and spinning yourself out or or uh, causing a wreck or something like that. So it's just just um, NASCAR continuing to uh, be incompetent by the rules that they make and and it just puts them in these situations where it caused a lot of confusion for everybody on who was actually the winner and then cost Matt De Benedetto a second place finish. Uh, Chase Elliott got screwed initially and then they put him back and then they yeah. screwed over Chris Buescher there at the end of that race. And, and there's just a lot of things that didn't need to happen because of their own rules that they can't even enforce correctly. You know, so in my opinion, just get rid of these rules and just let them race as is. And, and, let you know let it all play out naturally and and everything so for me like if if they if they could do that then maybe we'd just have better off you know have better racing there and not have to worry about these controversies and and um, it creates a lot of drama that's just unnecessary and that's that's the fact i mean you know there's drivers that you know obviously have pointed out before there's drivers that don't respect each other at these tracks anymore and they just continue to bump each other and and unnecessarily when it doesn't need to happen and and they make too many aggressive moves and it's kind of the system that nascar has created for itself you know along with the rules and everything we talk about the the stage points and and um the system that creates where drivers start racing each other pretty hard on lap 65 for the end of stage one when the end of the race is at lap 188 you know so for me like it's just a product of the system that they've created and at some point they've got to own up to it and and the drivers should be penalized i think but at the same time nascar needs to um, own up to it and just say like we've created a lot of unnecessary drama for everybody and i think once if they can ever get to that point and have that discussion then maybe we start being more respectable of the series in general i think if not only for talladega and daytona but for the rest of the the sport yeah, absolutely. It's a lot of good points there. It, to me, what they all they do, Talladega and Daytona basically is you're going to go and somebody's going to go and do a stupid block and wreck half the field. It goes back to Tony Stewart way back in 2012 when he said, I don't feel I, I I only feel good once I've wrecked. I needed to be involved in one more wreck. It's one of the greatest post-accident pressers ever. 
you can hate Tony Stewart all you want. It's as re it's as legitimate then as it is now. They had back then they had started affecting rules with the tandem. So they started going and adjusting the radiator, the, whatever the, the inlet to go the air for the inlet so that they can't tandem anymore. Now they have a big ass spoiler on the back. They can't go and get away from each other. All these different effing things they do. And every Daytona and Talladega race is a demolition derby. Basically, you either go tailback, as Rusty likes to say, and Dale Jarrett always used to do, and just sit there and pray, spray and pray, as Brad and Kyle would call it, but that's bowling. Uh, and, and you just go and sit there, like Denny Hamlin did. He, he ran up front in the first segment and then disappeared, and then with 10 laps to go, came right back up, no problem. That, I mean, that's literally what it is. You don't need to run... This race went 532 miles. It went out 200 laps. You don't need 188 laps to determine a race at Talladega. You should just run this. The way they're talking about running dirt at Bristol, Talladega should just be a bunch of 20-lap heat races. It would be better. You don't need to spend four hours to do this nonsense. You don't need four hours to wreck three-quarters of the field. That's what they did. You're, you're, you got all these idiots. None of them have any brains when they drive a Talladega and Daytona. They run over each other. You have idiot sticks like freaking uh, uh, Alex Bowman, who just got a promotion going and running over Eric Almarola 50 laps into a race. You got O. Richard getting wrecked eight laps in a race, which is convenient because he's O. Richard and he was driving the Hungry Jack car, so it kind of fit. You know, Clint Boyer running over Jimmy Johnson. There, there's all these, it's just dumb, this racing. I've never liked Talladega racing. Uh, it's probably because I've not had a driver that's been amazing at it. I mean, Brad's been, used to be good at it, but it hasn't gone very well in recent years, ever since it became this thing about blocking more than it is about racing. I mean, it's never really been about racing, but you're, the, the yellow line rule, the ridiculous rulings they have the consistently inconsistent and selective enforcement denny hamlin's running for a championship he's in a toyota they're not going to go and penalize him in that spot if it was matt di benedetto running for a championship they wouldn't have penalized him he was out of the playoff so it doesn't matter uh you know like you know chase elliott you're able that was something brought up on talking in circles yesterday if you want to have full uh, even more in-depth focus on the NASCAR races last week. You listen to Talking in Circles wherever you can get your podcasts. The the Chase Elliott ruling where they went and basically put in a, a, a they they went and um, put an appeal basically on their penalty, which. I don't think I've ever heard of, and Clayton Caldwell, the host, had never heard of. And because he's the most popular driver and he's running for points, they listened to it and decided to give him back his spot. Like, it's the, everything about that race on Sunday. They moved it from NBC and they put it to NBCSN because they ran out of time because it took forever because they start the race too late. The amount of people running over each other the just sheer lack of respect, you know, that never used to be the case because you could get hurt and you could get hurt bad. 
uh, you you had Ryan Newman fade uh, fade a serious situation in February, and you would think that NASCAR would learn from that and change either change the way the cars race or change the rules as to how you manage one another. And if they don't want to respect one another, you either have to make them faster, get the cars off the ground and make them faster, or you have to come up with a whole new formula. Because restrictor plate racing, or whatever they want to call it, super speedway racing, because it's not a restrictor plate, it's a tapered spacer now. This is this was a band-aid. Restrictor plate racing was supposed to be a band-aid in 1987 after Bobby Allison blew a tire and went up in the catch fence. I don't know how many times we've had people up in a catch fence, but there's been a lot in the past 33 years. Uh, way more than there needs to be. And, uh, you know, Denny Hamlin going and advancing his position on the yellow line and winning the race is convenient. Uh, the... The, the way they race at these races, it's it's a complete joke. It's not. It's I mean, it's 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 a it's a joke to call it racing. It's basically white trash salad, freaking demo derby with with a bunch of spoiled rich people running over one another. That's all this is. You don't need to have cup cars or trucks or Xfinity to do that. You could go and do it at the local fair. The county fair. I mean, it's Talladega, so it kind of fits. You're going to go and that's basically what this is. You don't need four and a half hours to do the bullshit that they do all day. You could do 20 lap heats and you could get the same result. Exactly. Um, it's and it's I, I, I it's that was just insulting that that whole entire weekend. Um, Hamlin Jones, who's had a great playoff after he gets fired. Uh, all of a sudden, uh, Eric Jones has kind of had a lot of luck now. It's a shame, really. He's not going to have a job next year. Ty Dillon, who also doesn't have a job, at least for now, finished third, gets his best career finish. Byron, fourth. Um, he didn't get penalized for his involvement or whatever. He was avoiding, I guess. Um, Chase Elliott, Clyde gets back to fifth, gained 17 points in the process. He was going to go to 22nd. That move alone, was seven, that would have cost him 17 points, would have put him in a little more of a tighter position. Uh, no neck six, Tyler Reddick seventh, John Hunter Nemechek eighth. Brennan Poole gets his best career finish in ninth, and Ryan Priest uh, ran over Bubba Walls twice, uh, finished tenth. Justin Haley won the day before, and we'll talk about that in a little bit, finished 11th in the uh, Parts Plus Chevrolet, and uh, what's likely going to be a sponsor he's going to have starting next year, driving for uh, Spire Racing in the Cup Series, you would assume. Uh, I mean, you have other people there. Bowman got ran over. People caused a big wreck, but he somehow or another finished 14th. He's trying to make it into the next round. Uh, Brad Keselowski finishes 18th. Kevin Harvick had a bunch of accidents. He got a bunch of wrecks, and he finished 20th. Of course, Steve Burrito and Chris Buescher are the guys who get penalized. And finished 21st and 22nd. Busher had a great day up until the end. He had finished first and third in both stages. So basically a top 10 finish in terms of total points. Uh, Truex finishes 23rd. Uh, you know, Logano and Kyle Busch finished 26th and 27th. Logano, I think, blocked everybody um, in the world. And... Uh, 
paid the price for it. Kyle Busch's situation to try to go and make this next round is much more difficult after that performance. That same can be said for Clint Boyer and Eric Almirola, who finished 33rd and 37th. And uh, Kurt Busch, of course, advanced with his win at Las Vegas, thankfully, because he ended up flipping over uh, over on the front uh, on this by the start finish line. So definitely a, a clusterfuck of a race at Talladega, and that's the first of three. Um, Hamlin leads the points by 20 over Kevin Harvick. Basically, Kevin Harvick starts the race on Sunday. He'll make it into round three. Uh, Clyde, who's the road course king these days, is third. Uh, Mayor Brad Keselowski's fourth. Uh, they're 44 and 47 points behind Denny Hamlin, but they are well ahead of uh, the cutoff right now, which is uh, in terms of uh, Kyle Busch is on the what is it it's a final it's a final eight yeah so Kyle Busch right now is tied with uh with Austin Dillon for the cutoff and uh Kurt Busch is um of course advanced into the or no wait a minute I'm looking at I'm looking at the regular points sorry uh the Regular the real the, points. Yeah, the real points. So the uh, cut, the playoff point right now, playoff situations, Hamlin and Bush are into the round three. Uh, Kevin Harvick is plus 68 ahead of ninth. And Chase Elliott's plus 44. So basically, Kevin Harvick starts. He's good. Uh, Chase Elliott, stage points. Same for Brad Keselowski. They'll be fine. Martin Trix is plus 32 as long as he runs the race i think he'll be fine alex bowman it's where the sweat kind of starts at plus 22 logano's plus 21 dylan and bush are tied in points and they are 21 points behind joey logano clint boyer eric almirola 38 and 48 points respectively behind joey logano basically all any of those four if they really want to make round three they have to win on sunday at uh, the Roval. And I guess the question, Josh, is before we move on to Xfinity, is do you, do you really is do you really see any of these guys uh, doing that? Um, if so, if so, why? If not, why? In terms of these guys that are outside of the the top four or the bottom or the bottom four and uh yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I saw something. I'm going to make a kind of a ridiculous statement here. And Austin Dillon, actually, if he if he can figure out a way to um, have like some sort of stomach bug that prevents him from completing the race, he can just call in his relief driver, A.J. Allmendinger, and they can do a switch like during the competition caution or something. And then Allmendinger can go and win the race or or finish in the top 10 or something like that. And they could probably make it into uh, the next round somehow. That would, that's actually an interesting strategy I'd like to see happen. Or Kaz Grawla maybe. Yeah. Well, well, yeah, but AJ's the road course expert in, yeah. in this case. And, and yeah. 
you know, that would be really interesting. And I'm pretty sure that would make a lot of people mad because, I mean, they, they basically exploited something that's never been done before where you literally get another driver to advance you because you would get – or Awesome Dylan would get the credit for the points. So, you know, but realistically speaking, that probably won't happen. I don't think he'll make it in. Maybe Kyle Busch, if he plays his strategy right and he's able to stay up and I mean, he's a pretty good road course racer, I feel like, but, you know, never know what's going to happen at this race and could have what happened to him a couple of years ago when they all just ran into the tire barrier in, in the yeah. first turn and take yourself out like that and then watch all the uh, championship hopes and dreams fall out the window and die right there. But so he could do it. But uh, I mean, Clint Boyer is pretty good on the road courses, but I think he's too far back to really mount up a challenge. I mean, he hasn't won a race in a long time. And I mean, I feel like he, on a normal day at a road course, you can probably spot him for a top 10 at least, but uh, I don't think that'll be good enough to make it in. And Eric Almarola, uh, you can say goodbye to your championship hopes this year, because that'll be all that um, you're going to get out of him is a, a round two playoff driver. He probably won't be a, ever be a driver who makes it into round three unless they are able to hit on some luck um, in, at any point. So I, I think this is probably the best chance for the playoff field to stay the same, and the drivers currently in the same spots they're in right now to stay. Uh, I don't think any of the bottom four drivers right now in the top 12 have a real realistic chance of um, making it in, but you never know what could happen. Somebody could wreck and they manage to gain enough points or they win the race. But re- realistically speaking, I don't think any of them will make it in. Yeah. It's the, the only person that really is a valid, valid person you could say out of the four is Kyle Bush and nothing that we've seen this year really makes you believe that he's going to go out and win at the Roval on Sunday. It's one of the only racetracks, of course, he hasn't won at, um, but, you know, there's nothing, the way he's run this year, the luck he's had in a cup car, um, even you could say it's kind of gone down to the Xfinity car. In the truck, he was fine. He's won, he won his share of races, but he didn't have a whole lot of luck in the Xfinity series in his limited races. Um, the cup series has been, for a defending series champion, it's one of the more... Uh, surprising or shocking performances post championship it's got it's got the looks of like Dale Earnhardt in 1992 uh, all all over it I mean of course that was a year that one of the only years in that time basically where Chevrolet didn't dominate Ford dominated that year and Dale Earnhardt didn't even finish in the top 10 in points and right now Kyle Busch is in a position where he could being a, he may not finish in the top 10 in points. Um, and the way he's been running most of the year wouldn't be shocking. Uh, he already called a shot before, after the Bristol race that he wasn't going to make it out of this round. And uh, minus a, an, a Hail Mary win, more than likely that's going to be the case. Or something happening to like Bowman or Logano or, or Martin Truex. I mean, even that's 50 something points. So that's, that's really, that's really, it'd have to be either Bowman or Logano bottom falls out on them. Uh, the playoff points definitely ha- are a key in why those four drivers are 
in this situation, and it's going to be even more crucial going into this next round where you're going to have two cookie-cutter racetracks and, of course, Martinsville to decide it all uh, before they go to Phoenix for a boar fest. Uh, the Xfinity Series ran on Saturday, uh, part of a doubleheader with uh, the Truck Series. The Xfinity Series ran the Ag Pro 300, which saw now uh, restrictor plate or, or super speedway racing expert uh, Justin Haley uh, stand out and uh, make it through through the crowd and go and win his third consecutive plate race, uh, joining a famous duo, Dale Earnhardt Sr. and Dale Earnhardt Jr. doing that in the Xfinity Series. Ryan Sieg finished second. Noah Gregson finished third. Brockshot Jones fourth. Daniel Hamrick fifth. Uh, Ross Chastain, Josh Williams, Garrett Smithley, Brandon Brown, and Alex LeBay uh, round out the top ten. Uh, Fast Pasta finished 12th. He ran up front for a good amount of the race. Uh, you had Chase Briscoe. He won both stages, led the most laps. Uh, him and Gregson, their blocking and all, uh, got together. And uh, Briscoe ends up finishing 19th, though he probably had a chance to win that deal, same way as it felt like at Daytona. Harrison Burton was up there he got stage points but then finished 23rd justin allgaier blew an engine uh but was up front most of the day austin Sindrick ran with chase briscoe and then got taken out late and then uh riley herbst who's in the playoff uh got wrecked by uh by uh the truck series points leader uh austin hill so that's that. And then, of course, Michael Annette got disqualified for ride height. So that was something that he went from a, being in a position to possibly advance on points to uh, being in a must-win situation, which knowing Michael Annette won't happen. Uh, what were your takeaways, Josh, on uh, the Xfinity race and Justin Haley, who has now uh, become this like super speedway expert? Well, I mean, it's like we said, it was going to be kind of a colleague benefit. And, you know, he just knows how to make these moves at the end of the race to put him in position to win. And he kind of benefited from Chase Briscoe kind of gaffing there at the end. And he was able to pass him there. And Chase tried to throw the block and see there, there's still actual driving at these tracks when you see Chase Briscoe basically save his car from spinning out in front of the entire field when he tried to block Noah Gregson there with like two or three laps to go but I mean it's the same stuff that we've seen throughout this is just um it's not quite as bad as in the cup series and I I think it's just the you know the different car formula that they have they have the the smaller uh spoilers and they're able to be a, a little bit more cleaner but you know they're still quite on top of each other throughout the the race and um yeah I mean for Justin Haley it's a, a third straight Xfinity Super Speedway win, which only Dale Earnhardt and Dale Jr. have accomplished. So I guess that that has to be saying something for his ability on on restrictor plate tracks and and super speedways. So 
I mean, there was a multi-car wreck on the last lap, which kind of helped him, I guess, and keep the win as uh, he didn't have any real challenge on the last lap, but he was able to stay in front for that, and nobody was able to um, mount up a challenge behind him. But it helps him in the playoffs and get a win and move on to the next round. And then for others, they don't have a chance and, and they aren't able to make up as much ground. And for somebody like Brandon Brown, uh, this wasn't the race that he needed. And even though he did finish in the top 10, it's not really what he needed because he obviously he needed a win. And he, he was in the lead at, at one point, but they quickly got around him and, and he didn't really have any uh, drafting help to help him stay there and just wasn't able to get enough organization on the bottom line, and, and uh, which I think was where he was for a lot of that race to stay up front, which is what you need to do to win at Talladega is uh, you have to stay up front. You either, you either have to stay back the entire race and, and get up in, in the field in the last couple of laps or you have to basically put yourself in the lead um, so that that's kind of what I thought about that. I mean, Chase Briscoe in finished 19th and probably should have won that race. And but you know I don't think he regrets it really because it's chalked up to just super speedway racing and and he can continue on and go on to the next round. Obviously, and good shout out for him for i racing. I'm sure they they love that because he uh, shouted them out like eight times during that race and talked about how he used iRacing to practice moves that he made in real life, and he's not wrong about that. Yeah. Well, as the fan in me was disappointed and didn't care for what was going on, but I understand why he had to do what he did and understanding who he was racing against. He he knew full well that Noah Gregson was going to run through him, and he did, and... Uh, at least he didn't get hurt that's literally all i cared about i he won both stages and i'm like all right those are two more playoff points for when we get into this next round uh you know there's a cutoff race coming up this weekend as well for the xfinity series and they go and he goes and holds on to those going into the next round which is two cookie cutter tracks which kind of fit in Cindric's favor um but Briscoe has won at cookie cutter tracks this year and he's he's run well at Kansas before last year and he should have won the race at Kansas he because of Garrett Smithley being Garrett Smithley he lost that deal and lost out on opportunity to advance to the final four which might have actually made that race a little more interesting than it was uh at Homestead um you know Cindric getting wrecked kind of par they were all trying to pit at the same time which was just dumb and then he got hooked or he he had too much rear brake and he spun out and went and wrecked and you know like that's basically you kind of know here i i'm curious to see if haley could actually go and win on a regular track it'd be nice i mean he did in the truck series he's shown it in k&n he can win on all different types of racetracks he has got a good road racing background too uh, likely going to be advancing into the Cup Series next year. So uh, this is all kind of just, you know, whatever for him. Unlike Sindrick, unlike Briscoe, maybe some of the other guys that are in this series, uh, I think Justin Haley's kind of just running with house money. So it's a good thing for him and for Colleague Racing, really. It's the same thing for Ross Chastain, whatever happens to him this weekend. 
uh, at uh, the Roval, and that's where the real intrigue is. Uh, I mean, Sindrick's basically in, no problem. Figure Gagson's in. Uh, Brandon Jones is not the best road racer, and Ryan Sieg, of course, is not known as a road racer, but the amount of points he's gained through the first two races of this round has kind of given him a buffer to where he can run about, if he could get stage points and run in the top 20, he'll advance, which would be a big deal for him and his organization. Uh, Justin Allgaier's won road course races before, and that he's kind of going to kind of have to go up front and battle. Uh, the same thing is going to be the case for Chastain and Harrison Burton. Uh, seven points separate the two of them. And really that's where the battle lies within Sieg, Allgaier, Chastain and Burton. Uh, I don't really see, I, I, I figure Josh, uh, I guess, I mean, I don't really see anything changing here. Harrison Burton has not done a whole heck of a lot. He has in, in recent weeks, uh, he has won the two races, but that was earlier in the year. One was pre-COVID break, and then one was uh, Homestead 1, which was the race where Chase Briscoe, uh, uh, what is it, uh, uh, his crew chief went, Richard uh, Boswell Richard went Boswell. and left, left uh, weight loose or whatever, and he went five laps down, and he brought, he came five laps or however many laps back, and was on the lead lap late and would have had a chance to win. Uh, and then he went out there on Sunday and won the race. So Harrison Burton really hasn't done a whole lot since. It's kind of similar to what he did in a truck, which was all, wasn't a whole heck of a lot. Um, but it sounds like, based on some rumors I've read today, that he may still get promoted anyway. Um, the, I guess the same question lies as we talked about the Cup Series. Uh, do you see Harrison Burton or one of these guys that are outside uh, possibly getting in with a win? Or um, I mean, I, I think Brandon Brown's the most obvious one in terms of his, you know, finances and his team. It's going to be very difficult. He's not a known road racer. Uh, his opportunity, he had already wrote his shot was Talladega and he couldn't come through, unfortunately. But it's a big deal for him to make the playoff for such a small organization. Uh, so no matter what happens on Saturday, it's been a great year for him. Uh, Riley Herbst, it doesn't sound like he's going to have a job next year. So maybe he has, he has house money. He might run over half the field like uh, Haley Deegan does. Um, fellow Monster Energy, Las Vegas, West Coast, dumbass. Or um, maybe our, Michael Annette pulls one out of his butt that nobody's ever expected. They could actually win a race somewhere else that isn't Talladega or Daytona. Do you see any of that happening? Yeah, I think it's highly unlikely that Michael Nett or Riley Herbst go out and win this race. They're certainly not going to make it on points unless uh, they basically don't win the race, but they finish in second and they max out on stage points and playoff points and they somehow make enough of the gap because they're both almost 40 points back from eighth place and they'd have to depend on Ross Chastain just completely wrecking out and Harrison Burton and Brandon Brown completely wrecking out and finishing in like last or something for them to even make up that many points to get in. And it could happen, but it's highly unlikely. And it would have to be akin to somebody winning the lottery, I think, or 
you know, making that one in a million bet, whatever, for them to even win that race or even make it into the, the top eight. So you write them off. Brandon Brown, he doesn't have the pace that I think he would need to make it in. And he's a little bit closer to eighth place. He's only uh, 19 points back, but I don't think that's uh, small enough of a gap for him to be able to make it in and probably can write him off. But, hey, it's a good job for him for a small team that they're able to make it into this playoff and get some extra attention on their team and, and help them maybe get sponsorship uh for next year and so nothing to be ashamed of for him harrison burton he's only seven points back from ross chastain right now i mean he could make it in if ross chastain has some misfortune and there he's able to finish at least seven spots lower than harrison burton and he doesn't score any stage points or anything like that it's certainly possible i feel like ross chastain is a little bit volatile when it comes to road course racing uh, in this series and i i mean he's very uh, aggressive at times, and sometimes it's cost him in the past. So it's possible that he could fall out and Harrison Burton gets in, but I, it's possible that none of this changes, and then we just see the current top eight as it is unchanged after the Roval. Yeah, it's kind of similar to what we had with the Cup Series, except it's uh, a lot less volatile I, I mean or it's going to take a lot less in terms of the cutoff to go and make it happen uh they'll probably spend a lot of time focusing on Harrison Burton so you can have um Jeff Burton scream a lot because that's what he does anyway uh talking about his son and they may have they may have his mom there going and, and doing whatever his mom always does uh being a waste uh you know, like they could have that or I, I, for what Ross Chastain, he knows he's got a job next year. So it's not like he's, he's uh, really struggling or, or really in a bad place. He knows he's going to have a job. So it's, uh, he's running with house money too. And it's, it's a good place for him. And even if he struggles on Saturday, his life ain't gonna be, he's already, he knows that next year is going to be, um, a, a new opportunity of the best opportunity he's probably had in his whole entire career to go and drive top flight equipment in the cup series. So he's kind of rolling with house money here, uh, more than anybody else. Um, and we will see what happens though. Uh, they are saying rain, is in the forecast for both days. So that could be the one equalizer. Uh, of course, you're going to see the big three guys. We'll talk about that more in the preview section here later on. But um, there, the, if there's rain, then you could just sign off on complete. It's just going to be complete argy-bargy, as, uh, uh, as Calvin Fish would like to say. Um, his co his cohort and the IMSA booth, AJ Allmendinger will be in the race. So for all the RG bargy that'll be going on, I think the guy that's going to be the happiest will be AJ Allmendinger because he has more race, more experience racing in the rain than any of the guys in that field. Uh, going into the truck series, Chevy, uh, I think it's a Chevy Silverado 250. And then Kyle Busch Motorsports censored it um, as though it was like somebody was flashing their balls 
Um, they had to full, they had to censor the trophy, which was stupid. Uh, Raphael Lassard, uh, the Quebec native, finally uh, gets through for his first career win. A caution. Uh, Josh brought up, you know, there was a late caution there. They decided to throw the yellow. Uh, uh, to end the race in both the Xfinity and the truck race. They didn't do it in the cup race. Consistently inconsistent there. Uh, Lassard beats former Daytona 500 winner Trevor Bain in the Nice Motorsports 45 truck. Uh, That was, I mean, it's typical of everything as we've talked about earlier. And... um, for for uh, Nice Motorsports for that whole entire group is good for them. They got two car two trucks in the top ten with Kaz Grala filling in for um, Instagram influencer Natalie Decker, who's having some sort of health uh, issues to where she hasn't able to drive. Uh, Sheldon Creed, you, you look at the playoff drivers. Um, Ben Rhodes had the best finish of the playoff drivers in fourth. Brett Moffitt finished seventh. Kraft in eighth. Um, Sheldon Creed in twelfth. Infinger thirteenth. Ankrum sixteenth. Eckes eighteenth. Austin Hill nineteenth. Of course, he had advanced. And then Todd Gilliland, who blew an engine, uh, typical Ilmore engine coming through in the best possible moment. For a Ford uh, driver, gets knocked out of the playoffs. Zane Smith uh, gets destroyed early in the race, takes out former uh, Grip Strip podcast guest Dawson Cram, amongst others, in that deal. 12 laps into the race, uh, you had defending race winner Spencer Boyd got knocked out um, and uh, finished dead last. So that's a way to go and flip it, flip the script. You go a year, year before you go and win the race, you get fortunate. And then the next year you can't even get 10% into the race and you get knocked out. Uh, that's pretty brutal, but he's had a rough year this year. Anyway, Spencer Boyd and some of the mother cellar dwellers back there that got taken out. Um, so then, and in terms of the uh, elimination, uh, Todd Dillon got went blew up, and then Christian Eck has got involved in that wreck. So Kyle Busch Motorsports is now eliminated out of the playoffs. Uh, last year they didn't even make the playoffs with either of their regular trucks. This year only one of the two made it, and he gets eliminated on uh, Saturday. But uh, Lassard did win, so it's kind of the way to go and soften the blow for Kyle Busch. Who knows what's going to happen? I think. In terms of that organization next year, I think uh, Chandler Smith definitely will be in one of those trucks. But, um, yeah, Raphael Lassard, uh, Canadian, goes and gets a win at Talladega. Uh, Josh, uh, I mean, it's typical Talladega. We've been talking about it for three-quarters of an hour, basically. Uh, but this in this case, it was a cutoff race, so it kind of had a little bit more intrigue there for sure. Yeah, I mean, good for good for Raphael Lazard getting his first win. I mean, so far this season, he hadn't really like shown a lot of uh, pace to be able to run up front. But you know, he get lucky here and only need to lead the last lap and win that race and uh, get his first career win. So props to him for being able to do that. I thought that Trevor Bain 
actually was the winner because it looked like to me when the caution came out or when they at least when they started crashing that he was in front and it looked like from that the angle that they had up until the camera no longer showed the leaders and they just showed the crash they looked like at least his front tire was in front of uh, the front bumper of Rafael Lazard's car so it's a little bit disappointing that they couldn't show a better angle on that to show that Rafael Lazard was the leader at the moment that they threw the caution out and is, you know, again, inconsistent ruling by NASCAR because we've seen in the past and even in the Xfinity series and in the uh, cup series where wrecks happened on the last lap and they didn't throw the yellow out and they let them keep racing and, and things. And that's, that's another thing that this sport has to address the, um, the freezing the field, I feel like it takes away the integrity of the uh, start-finish line, which is where the leaders should be getting scored. And they also don't provide enough transparency when it comes to where the scoring loops actually are on the track and where uh, the leaders are and who's in front or what position they're in when the caution comes out and just convenient for Fox to not even really show that he was in front and and uh, when that caution came out. But still, I guess, good for him that Raphael won that race. But uh, for a lot of these other drivers that didn't make it in, like Christian X, he gets take out on lap 93, and Austin Hill also crashed on the same lap. And, and that's two sides of, of the coin where Austin Hill didn't really need to worry about anything in this race about getting taken out and, and not making it in because he already won a race the previous week. So didn't need to be concerned about that. So if he crashed, it's whatever. And then Christian Eckes who needed to get a good finish or win to make it in ends up getting taken out anyways, and doesn't have any much to, to say for it. So for those guys, like uh, one guy gets to move on their guy doesn't. And then Todd Gillen had an engine failure. So for him, doesn't really get to do anything with uh, this race and and didn't really have a chance to even do anything with uh, his car and maybe make a run for the win. And it ends up being that Ben Rhodes is the, the best of the playoff drivers in this series that makes it in or, well, that finished highest in this race and he made it in. So good for him to survive. And it did get pretty tight as far as like the bubble drivers at the very end of that race. Um, but not tight enough to where positions were being risked uh, or anything like that. But uh, I guess for the truck series, it wasn't like as bad of a race as the, the cup race or even the Xfinity race, but still a lot of the same shenanigans that you see just continue to manifest itself on the super speedways. Yeah, and with the rules where you can't, like you brought up, where you can't go and bump draft in the trucks and Xfinity, or you can't lock bumpers, all that. I mean, it's it's a kind of thing where you it still goes and wrecks, or goes and wreck. They go and wreck anyway. It doesn't matter what you do, how many rules you get, you go and uh, you're still gonna end up wrecking a whole lot of race cars or race trucks in this case. Um, it's just ridiculous in terms of the uh playoff standings now going into the next race which uh, i believe is uh kansas next week uh 
they will have Austin Hill and Sheldon Creed are tied at uh, and with the points lead. Then Zane Smith, who barely makes it in because of, you know, all the other crap that went on. He's only six points back. Ren Enfinger right now is on the cutoff spot to advance to Phoenix. He is nine points out of the points lead and only three points out of Brett Moffitt. Then you have Bren Rhodes in sixth, Tyler, Matt Crafton in seventh, and Tyler Ankrum in eighth. 25 points separate first to eighth in the second round of the playoff here for the truck series. I won't be racing this week at the Roval, and then we will uh, see them next week. Um, in terms of, uh, we, and I think the next thing we'll talk about, though, is the, the big news of the day, which is that Alex Bowman, starting with 2021, at least, I mean, that's what he signed for, is going to be driving the uh, 48 car. I mean, albeit it'll be his same team, but he will be driving the 48, taking over for Jimmy Johnson. Uh, after taking over the 88 from Dale Earnhardt Jr., now he's going to be taking over the 48 from seven-time Cup Series champion, 84-time, three-time race winner, Jimmy Johnson, uh, in the 48 car. And it also leads to where um, we talked about somebody else. We talked about Kyle Larson earlier, and he... It sounds like with he wrote a letter speaking about all the things he's learned since he dropped the N-word and um, went and went off and started winning all kinds of 410 sprint car races. And now he's there. He's rehabbed and uh, Fat Felon wants to have somebody that can sell trinkets. And frankly, he's able to sell trinkets pretty darn well. And uh they a lot of people want him back and it seems like they're all probably gonna be um they're probably gonna have him in a fourth hendrick motorsports car so i guess josh uh, taking alex bowman where he was a few years ago with his car on fire at at uh new hampshire when he was driving for tommy baldwin driving some of those cellar dweller cars to now driving the 48 car in the cup series and the likelihood that uh, Kyle Larson will be coming back next year and whatever, probably the five car, I would assume maybe the 25 car uh, when they rebadge it uh, here for 2021, where you think of that in terms of Hendrick Motorsports and I guess in minus the trinket sales, because that's what really Hendrick Motorsports is at this point. They're really about the trinket sales, not as much about winning. But what do you think of those two guys and where they're going to be? Yeah, so for, for Hendrick putting Alex Bowman in the 48 car, that's it's the safe move because it allows them to just move one of their drivers and continue the sponsorship without needing to find someone else from the outside to take over the 48 and someone at least they're familiar from a company side with with ally bank they don't really have to like rebadge themselves with uh, another driver with a like a free agent driver such as kyle larson and they can just continue to sponsor the same car with someone who they have some 
uh, familiarity with in in that organization. So it's the safe move and Lar or not Larson, but uh, Bowman. You know, he's um, not really a high salary driver, so it's um, something that keeps kind of the costs low on the driver's salary, and they don't really have to go out and find another sponsor for him for next year because that um, the car he's in right now is kind of being self-funded by Hendrick, anyways. So for for them for Hendrick it's a good good for continuity in, in a way and they uh my understanding is that they are um going to have uh Greg Ives on the crew chief box with uh, Alex Bowman so it looks like all they're doing is basically just reskinning the 88 car currently as it is right now to uh the 48 Ally car uh for next year in 2021 so looks like Everything's going to stay the same except for the car number and the paint job for Alex Silman, but good for him and symbolically taking over the 48 from Jimmy Johnson. And, you know, you talk about a couple of years ago where he was when he was on fire with his car with the Tommy Baldwin car in New Hampshire, then lost his ride in the Cup Series and then kind of stayed in the wings at Junior Motorsports with some of the opportunities that Dale Jr. gave him over the years and then just patiently waited until after Dale Jr. to retired, and then Jr. picked him up and selected him to replace the 88 car full-time in 2018, and now he gets selected to take over the 48. So what a kind of a topsy-turvy career, but it looks like he's going to continue to have opportunities to succeed at Hendrick. And, I mean, he's, he's a pretty solid driver. He just just hasn't had quite the consistency yet, whether that's because of him or uh, the race decisions that Greg Ives makes. He's not really the best crew chief in the garage, but um, they've gotten some solid results over the years, just haven't quite had the, the pace, but I think that's more of a Chevy problem than their problem. But for um, for him, like you go all the way back to his career when he started in the Nationwide Series, like he was endorsed by uh, Damon John, who's on Shark Tank and owns FUBU, and and that guy really believed in him like seven years ago, and now that investment kind of paid off now uh, with him taking over the 48 car in 2021. And then on the other side of that, this opens the door for Kyle Larson to take over the fourth Hendrick car, which I, I assume will be renumbered um, just to give it its uh, a new start for Kyle Larson. And I'm sure he'll pick up. I mean, I don't know if they'll go to the 25 or the five, maybe they go to the 57. That's Kyle Larson's number in the uh, dirt racing right now in world of outlaws and um, all-star series of champions or whatever racing series he's in. That's been his number on the dirt car. And Hendrick has raced the 57 in the, the Bush series and which now known as the Xfinity series back in 2005 and 2006, maybe 2007. So not completely unfamiliar as far as numbering goes for Hendrick, but for Larson, I think if my understanding is correct from what I've read from the rumors is that they'll probably sign him at a rookie driver's salary whatever that number is obviously it's a low number and uh as far as sponsors just go i don't know how what sponsors are they're trying to line up but i mean this year it looks like hendrick was able to fund the 88 car from his own pocket with a little bit of help from Vaveline and some other sponsors and exalta but it's it's really a when you think about it it's actually a, a low risk move because Larson won't really require a lot of salary um, to pay him. It's because of the situation that he put himself in 
um, it's it's a low risk move from that end. And yeah, they'll need funding, but it's not like they'll be really needing a lot to fund. Um, maybe they'll save a little bit of money from not needing to pay him as much, and they can put that into the the sponsorship for the car, or at least the the fund for that car. So. Um, maybe they won't really require as much big-time sponsorship. And that's something that we're going to have to figure out if, if that actually does happen because he'll have to be in a Chevy car again, and I'm sure I'm sure with the essay that they put out, it, it'll help win him back in Chevy's good graces and show that he's really changed, which I think he has. I think when you look at back at that scenario, is more similar to what happened to Derek Daly um, with how he got – suspended or whatever it was from Indianapolis radio a couple of years ago and kind of kind of brings back in circle with um, how Connor Daly reacted to uh, that event uh, six months ago when he said that it was like that happened to my family and and you know how that incident that his dad did like some 25 years ago cost him a sponsor a few years ago so I think it's maybe more similar to that now that we see Larson's reasoning with how he learned it from somebody else and thought it was okay. And now he's learned that it isn't okay. So it looks like maybe he's changed for the good and hopefully he has. And um, I have no problem with him being in the cup series again, if he wants to um, for him, it probably, probably he should be in the cup series because eventually it's probably going to get old for him to win every four ten race that he's in. Uh, and eventually he's going to have to be challenged uh, on a different level with uh, the cup series and, trying to win races there and win and compete for titles there. Yep. It'll be interesting to see when they decide. I mean, it's Charlotte week. Usually they make a bunch of these announcements, but they based on all the things that they said and Hendrick motors credit to Hendrick motorsports, uh, uh, social media team and how they announced it on, uh, Twitter and how they basically every tweet once an hour basically said, Alex Bowman's going to drive the 48 or whatever. Very, very well done by them uh, for somebody that's going to get eliminated in the second round of the playoffs uh, more than likely next year, which is basically his peak. Same way as what, I mean, outside of 2018 for Eric Almirola, that's basically what he is as well. What Larson's going to do, we don't have any idea. What is he going to have on the car? What is the, the number? Personally, I want to see either the 5 or the 25 back. It'd be cool. Of course, the 57 fits the the uh, sprint car deal. Uh, but we'll, we'll find out, I guess, here soon enough when uh, Kyle Larson eventually applies for reinstatement. Doesn't sound like he has yet, but all signs and all PR moves and everything are, are looking like that's where it's going. Uh, for old young money to come back and hang out with his uh, nosebleed buddies like uh, Noah Gregson and uh, um, Denny Hamlin and Ricky Stenhouse and you know you know the the Powder Gang. Um, the IndyCar series ran at the Indianapolis Road Course for two races: the Harvest Grand Prix at Indianapolis, and race one saw. The uh, saw Joseph Newgarden win, and in race two, we saw Will Power win, uh, of course, from pole, which is usual. Uh, if it isn't a caution, then usually Will Power wins those races. Um, right now, basically, after all of that, 
Joseph Newgarden is now 32 points behind Scott Dixon going to the series season finale at uh, St. Petersburg here in three weeks or thereabouts. And uh, it's crazy to think that Scott Dixon has been dominant all basically all year and literally in the last, I guess, four races of this season, it's gone sideways for him. He was over 120 points. He was somewhere over 100 points ahead when he won Gateway 1, and then Newgarden won at Gateway, and in the last four races, I think he's dumped He's dumped around 70-something points to, to uh, Joseph Newgarden, and Newgarden's a former winner at St. Pete. One of the only racetracks that Scott Dixon hasn't won at in his illustrious career is St. Petersburg. Uh, I guess that, I mean, we'll, we can kind of go into it in more details in terms of some of the things that happened, Josh, but I, I think the big story as much as anything, yeah, Penske owns Indianapolis. He already owned Indianapolis, literally, based on the way he, his team won there. Now he owns Indianapolis and his team won both races uh this weekend um what do you i mean it can can i mean we're going to talk about it here in a couple weeks time when the series finale happens maybe we'll have spencer neff uh indycar1909.com back on to kind of go and talk about this race uh the st petersburg finale but it it's amazing to see, you know, Scott Dixon all of a sudden is vulnerable. Uh, what looked like it was an absolute guarantee of a victory. I mean, just in the the span of like I'm just looking at one one of this. He lost eight points on the second race, and then in the first race was it 54 and 20? Yeah, he lost 30, was it 32 points right there. Yeah, so. He lost 32 and he lost 40 points uh, last weekend in two races to Joseph Newgarden, which is just insane. Uh, would have never thought that the Iceman would be vulnerable for sure. Yeah, the the Iceman, like, it's crazy because you would think that he would, if he doesn't win, he's going to at least finish pretty solidly and not have any mistakes. But this is almost similar to kind of, how 2015 played out for Scott Dixon when he was challenging Juan Pablo Montoya going into the the final race. And I thought in that year that Montoya would end up winning the championship, but then he uh, didn't have a good solid set of races leading into the, the last race. And then he ended up not finishing where he needed to. And then Scott Dixon is able to use double points to win the race over Montoya uh, that year and kind of the same thing kind of is happening here scott like you know last week at or a couple weeks ago at uh, mid ohio he spun out and then the other race there he didn't really finish good and then on friday uh he didn't have a good finish and ended up finishing ninth and then uh, finished i think like in sixth place or something like that on saturday so he just lost a lot of points and he's got to be able to figure out a way to stop the bleeding and he might actually have to win the race here to win the championship or at least try to finish on the podium i think i think that's probably the aim for him is to at least get a podium finish and just hope that scott or that 
Joseph Newgarden uh, doesn't win the race and, and and doesn't maybe even doesn't get a podium either. But um, a little rare for Scott Dixon. Maybe maybe uh, you know like he's got to be able to just finish finish well at St. Petersburg and and um, just kind of shocking to see uh, this play out and and just shows you that it's not over until it's over. I mean, we may end up seeing Joseph Newgarden being the champion for the IndyCar series this year and go back to back after winning the championship last year. Um, but for Scott Dixon, this is, this is uh, almost uncharacteristic and really for him, like, like you never expect this to happen. He's supposed to be the guy that closes the deal all the time and, and just looks like he hasn't been quite as good as what he needs to be. And now, now the pressure's on and, we're going to find out if he really is the Iceman, I guess. If he if he isn't, then, or if he doesn't finish well, then maybe he's not the Iceman anymore. And if he does, then you know, he can continue being called that nickname. But good weekend for just a new garden. Also a good weekend for Will Power as well uh, on Saturday and was able to hold off Colton Herta there. I thought Colton Herta had a uh, faster car at the very end of that race, but then he just, for whatever reason, just couldn't, keep the momentum off the last turn and and couldn't quite close up to uh willpower and then they ran into some traffic and willpower's uh, hadn't had a good year but i guess a couple of wins here in the last couple of races allow him to kind of uh sav- or salvage uh the season that he's had yeah for winch power he he did his usual crying wolf as he always does but he is going to get likely get a top five finish in points. Uh, he's got a 12-point lead on Paddle Award, uh, who struggled here. The Middle Ohio doubleheader and the uh, Indy doubleheader here has kind of hurt him. He was in third in points, pretty solid. Now he's 25 points out of third. Colton Herta is going to have a really good uh, uh, season, whatever happens at uh, St. Pete. Uh, likely to he ain't going to finish any worse than sixth really in the points uh colton Herta making a lot of progress compared to last year he won a couple races but there was no consistency now this year he's been super consistent and uh you know if if it weren't for you know dixon and newgarden it would actually be somewhat of an interesting battle for the championship but then you also look at those are the two best drivers in this series right now. So it makes sense. The IndyCar points situation, you it's 50 points for a win. You go and get a point, I think, for the pole, and you get one point for leading them a lap, and you get two for leading the most laps. So you can uh, get a maximum of 54 points in, uh, in a race, basically. I mean, Newgarden didn't start on pole but he ended up getting he led one lap and he led both yeah so i mean the reality is for for scott dixon if he finishes be the easiest way is simple win the race of course but if he's mirrors joseph newgarden and he's right on him there's no way that joseph newgarden can make up 32 points it it, it would take a similar situation to what uh, has happened here the last four races where there hasn't been a whole lot of pace in qualifying big gap between the two cars and also new garden has been able to advance through the field while dixon has struggled we'll get into more detail there 
um, in a couple weeks' time when St. Petersburg goes on. But I, I just don't see how Scott Dixon gives this thing away. I, I mean, he did give away the Indianapolis 500, but, you know, I, I just don't see him giving away this championship after the way he's run most of the year. Um, but who knows? Crazier, crazier things have happened. Um, props to Renus VK for getting his first career pole and getting a podium in race one. Alexander Rossi had a double podium this weekend after a nightmare season. Um, Alexander Rossi now is currently ninth in points, but the amount of points he's lost this year through some of the crap that's happened to him is, is, is insane. Um, I mean, he's had a Felix Rosenquist who's won a race. Uh, there's only two cars that have drivers. I haven't won a race that are ahead of him. Uh, that's Gree Rehall and Pato Award. And uh, they've had a lot better luck than uh, Alexander Rossi has had. So we will definitely look into the uh, St. Petersburg finale, probably get some more news in terms of silly season between now and the St. Petersburg finale for sure. Uh, Going into the GSP roundup here for this week, Uh, we'll start with the NHRA. They were at Gateway this past weekend. Uh, They'll be off for uh, this week and come back the following week at Dallas for um, the Texas Motorplex. Pro Mod Factory Stock, Pro Stock, and Pro Stock Motorcycle will all be run elsewhere the, because of uh, you run a Houston because of uh, weather uh, issues holding those up. You have Doug Coletta and Tommy Johnson Jr. winning in uh, in Top Fuel and Funny Car in Top Fuel. Doug Coletta goes and gets within two points of Steve Torrance. Uh, right now, it's basically a three-driver race between Torrance, Coletta, and Leah Pruitt, a.k.a. Tony Stewart's girlfriend, for the uh, championship in Funny Car. Uh, you had Tommy Johnson Jr. get the win there. Uh, he doesn't know what he's going to be doing next year, neither does Jack Beckman. And both all th- and Matt Hagen leads the points, so it's going to be a DSR uh, Dodge that's going to win the Funny Car Championship. Which one is going to be the champion is to de- to be determined. Less than three rounds, there are two rounds separates those three drivers. Hagen leads by 16 over Beckman and 34 over Tommy Johnson Jr. Ron Caps uh, had. Uh, I mean, I, I don't want to pass over the fact Leah. Pruitt had a big wreck uh, during eliminations, but was okay. So thankfully for that, and um, she's she'll be all right. But uh, any real chance I think of her winning the championship when you're going right off a car like that, it's going to be very hard to see that happen. Um, it's the same thing kind of for Caps, who's in fourth. And really after that, you know, J.R. Todd, former champion there. You got some other people there. Uh, Cruz Petrograd right there, Ted. Uh, that's the uh, NHRA, the Pro Stock, uh, Pro Stock, Pro Stock Motorcycle, 
and the uh, pro yeah, that's the pro soccer and motorcycle pro mod factory soccer. They all had to halt because of weather, because of different issues there. Yeah, had um, Pruitt had that crash. Alexis DeJoria, the body blew off of her car. Camping World also uh, came in. Marcus Lemonis has been making hints at it, and now he has signed uh, with his Camping World brand to sponsor not only the truck series, but now will be the NHRA Pro Series sponsor as well, multi-year deal. So it'll be the Camping World NHRA Drag Racing Series. I guess starting immediately. So that'll be pretty cool. Um, it'll be nice to see for Camping World, giving them support, bringing that money there, and the promotion that, of course, Marcus Simonis brings to the table. It fits uh, the ammo of drag racing, too. So that'll be nice to see. In terms of uh, other racing that went on in uh, last week, we have uh, we had the World Superbike running at Manny Core in um, and they were able they had uh, their two their races. Let me go. The World Superbikes. We had Garrett Gerloff, of course, had a great week. The previous race uh, at uh, Barcelona in terms of race one at Manny Core, Johnny Ray gets the win over Loris Baz and Alex Lowe's. Uh, Chaz Davies, Scott Redding round out the top five. Uh, struggled for Garrett Gerloff, who had a crash in race one in the Super Pole race. Johnny Ray wins that one. Uh, Lowe's over and over Lowe's and Vandermark. Scott Redding, Chaz Davies round out the top five. Garrett Gerloff gets an eighth place finish. And then in race two, Scott Redding gets the win over Lower Spaz, Chaz Davies. Johnny Ray finishes fourth. And Michael Vandermark fifth. Garrett Gerloff gets another eighth place finish. In the overall point standings, Johnny Ray right now with three rounds to go has a uh, 60 for 59 point lead uh basically it's all over he's going to win yet another world superbike championship it's insane six consecutive championships for johnny ray who would have ever thought um chaz davies is in third um he has a 19 point lead over vandermark Lowe's is in fifth garrett gerloff right now is in 11th in points he is 13 points behind Leon Haslam to get into the top 10. And he is 21 points behind Alvaro Bautista for ninth. So we will see. There's one round one uh, round at Estoril next week. Um, it'll be at the Algarve. They'll uh, run there. And uh, that'll be the final three races of the season. It'll be yet another. It'll be a coronation for Johnny Ray, to say the least. Uh, going into next this weekend's races, in uh, uh, for what's going to be running around the world, uh, you're going to have the MotoGP 
will be running at Le Mans on the Bugatti circuit, the short circuit, and uh, they will have the MotoGP championship, which has definitely been one of the more interesting championships uh, in recent memory for sure. Um, you'll have Moto2 with Joe Roberts uh, running and trying to go and make something happen there, trying to make sure he can uh, advance, get some more points. He's had some good races here and uh, good uh, results, so we want to see what he can do. Uh, currently, Fabio Quattararo is leading the points by 8, 108 over 100 to Joan Mir, Joanne Mir on the Suzuki. Maverick Vinales on the factory Yamaha uh, is uh, is 18 points back of Fabio Quattararo, who's going to be his teammate next year. And then uh, Andrea Davizioso had a nightmare a weekend uh, last race last weekend um, in Spain. Uh, will uh, is now is 24 points behind in fourth. So we will see what happens at Le Mans in terms of that, in terms of the MotoGP. In Moto2, as I mentioned, Joe Roberts. Um, Joe Roberts right now is in 10th in points. He's in a tight battle with Javier and Tom Luthi, who's been there for about 100 years, and also Aaron Kinnett. So there's a five points between those four riders. Marcel Schroeder is a couple points beyond Roberts. So that'll be an interesting battle going all the way to the end of the season. Uh, Roberts trying to go and get uh, a top 10 finishing points this year. He's had three top fives, has the one pole at the first race at uh, Qatar. Uh, DTM will be at Zolder uh, this weekend in um, in Belgium, and then they will uh, have their battle, usual battle, uh, the BMW or Audi duo, sorry, will end up having their um, battle to see who's going to... Let's see right here, Zolder, they're going to run two races back-to-back at Zolder, and then they're going to run Hockenheim to end the year. The standings going in. Nico Muller is up by 18 points over Robin Freins. And then Rene Rast is in third. The best BMW is Sheldon Vanderlinde in fourth. Uh, Audis make up for the top five, five of the top six in the standings right now. Uh, DTM will be running GT3 spec cars next year to keep themselves alive. Um Basically, Nico Muller, Robin Freins are going to race for this championship. It's been that way all year. It kind of is going to be the same deal uh, anyway. The IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship will be running the Charlotte Roval. It's the first time that uh, these SMI Roval-type tracks have been used or has been used in a sports car scenario since probably the early 2000s with the ALMS. Um, which is basically half of what we have currently. Um, when they had their split, they'd run Texas, they ran Las Vegas. I think Charlotte was also a part of it. Um, so 
EMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship will be running there. Um, the current uh, point standings, uh, you can't see it if you have that's definitely not updated. <laughs> that is definitely not updated, but uh, you got the points over here. The well, Ryan Briscoe is in the lead, right? Are you talking yeah. about for, for the um, points? Yeah, for the the Motul 100% synthetic Grand Prix at the Charlotte Motor Speedway Roval, and we will go to this right here. Blah blah. blah. Winter Lake Sports Car Championship. Go and bring that up over here. Now to go. First thing this is that's not what we need. That's what you get. Okay, right here. So Alio Castro Dash Neves. Um yeah, you had the fastest lap there at the last race, the Acura Sports Car Challenge. Point standings there. So yeah. Briscoe and Vanderzanda are leading the points for the Wayne Taylor Racing Cadillac team for Wayne Taylor Racing, of course, they're going to be going to Honda, running the one of the two Acura HPD cars next year. They have a three-point lead over Pippo Durrani, uh, who's running the Whale and Engineering Action Express Cadillac. And then they have five-point lead over Ricky Taylor and Elio Castro-Neves in third. Harry Tinknell is in fourth in the Mazda uh, team uh, run by Multimatic. So that is the point situation. He's and him and his teammate Jonathan Bomarito are in fourth. Yao Barbosa, who just got fired or quit or who knows what happened, uh, it was tied for fifth in the standings with his teammate Sebastian Bourdais. But now Barbosa is out of that car. So we will see what happens. Tristan Vautier will be in that car with Bourdais. As JDC Miller kind of uh, figures out what they're going to be doing since they're going to be one of the lead Cadillac uh, teams here starting next year. Um, In terms of the drivers, that's for the prototypes. And they don't have it by... In terms of different class, okay, here, yeah, you have Patrick Kelly's the points leader in LMP2 by six over Dwight Merriman, Kyle Tilly. That's really the battle there. In terms of GT Lamar, it'll be the Corvette duo of Antonio Garcia and Jordan Taylor have a 17-point lead on Oliver Gavin, Tommy Milner, uh, their teammates. And they have a 22-point lead on Connor Filippi and Bruno Spengler in the BMWs. Then in GT Daytona, that'll be a little bit more compelling, and it definitely is. Mario Farnbacher and Matt McMurray driving the, uh, the what do you call, Michael Shank Racing Acura team. They're leading the points over Aaron Tielitz by three. Uh, Jack Hawksworth, the fellow Lexus driver with Aaron Tielitz, is uh, is five points behind. Then Ryan Hardwick and Patrick Long are in the Porsche, and they're 12 points out 
Lawson Oschenbach and Gar Robinson are in fifth, 16 points back. So that's one that'll go all the way to the end. They're going to run, of course, Road Atlanta for the um, Petit Le Mans. They're going to have WeatherTech Raceway Laguna Seca as well for a sprint race. And then the 12 Hours of Sebring to end their championship. With that, we will transition into the uh, previews for this weekend's races at the Roval. Talked about it. We went over in terms of the playoff uh, what we really believe is going to happen uh, in terms of who's going to advance, who isn't going to advance. But I think it, the Roval is kind of, they've made in this wild card thing. Charlotte is such a crappy track that they needed to put a, basically a street course in it to go and keep two races, even though it's the home base for a lot of these race teams. Um, we'll start with Xfinity and then we'll go into the, uh, Cup Series, a drive for the Cure 250, 38 cars and drivers uh, will be in in that race. Um, you know, people that are not usual regular drivers, you'll have Brett Moffitt, of course, I guess he's basically a pseudo-regular driver at this point um, in the 0-2 hour motorsports car. Jade Buford will be in the 0-7 uh, for with big machine distillery hand sanitizer on the zero seven, uh, you'll have um, AJ Allmendinger will be in the sixteen. Cody Ware uh, shown up again, and he'll be driving on a number seventeen car for his dad. Uh, you'll have Kaz Gralla in the twenty one. Uh, Let's see, you get some, some other people. Yeah, Austin Hills running 61. Greg Galdings driving a uh, Harmon car. Preston Pardis will be in the 90 this week um, for DGM Racing for Mario Goslin. Josh Williams had a good finish last week. Will be uh, moving to the 92. And uh, you have C.J. McLaughlin will be driving the 99 in uh, on Saturday. Uh, I guess, uh, Josh, for picks, you're good at this sort of thing. Um, who do you look for as a winner? And uh, who do you think would be somebody that we wouldn't give consideration to but could go and uh, win? on Saturday. Well, I, I think for the winners, like you kind of have to start off uh, with kind of a group of drivers. I think you're going to do well. And I think for this race, obviously you can't discount AJ Allmendinger. You can't discount Chase Briscoe. And certainly you have to talk about Austin Sindrick and it's probably going to come down to Sindrick and Briscoe. It'll be kind of just like how it was at Daytona when, Sindrick and Briscoe battled it out throughout the race, and then Austin Sindrick came back out on top. And I think Sindrick, actually, I think um, Chase Briscoe can edge uh, Austin Sindrick in this race and and win. Uh, and I, I think I think he'll be able to do that. Uh, if maybe maybe he uh, has a little bit better luck and a little bit more opportunities to try to get around 
uh, Austin Cindric and there's a lot of opportunities to pass. Well, theoretically speaking, if he you know if he wants to make like a, a last minute move or something to try to surprise Austin Cindric, I feel like he could probably do that in like the last corner at Charlotte, possibly or or elsewhere around the track. But I think that's probably what happened. Alan Dinger will probably um, choke like he usually does at these races, but he'll still have a solid performance throughout the race and certainly have to consider him. But maybe somebody we don't really count in these races, uh, maybe somebody like, uh, I don't know, it's hard to say because out of those guys, those guys are the main contenders. Um, maybe somebody like like Myatt Snyder or somebody like uh, Kaz Grala, like they're not contending for the championship. They're just there to race. And they both had some interesting performances uh, throughout the other road course race at Daytona, and that felt like my center had had a bit of a, a couple moments where he was up in the the top ten there in that race, and Caz uh, Grala was up there for a bit until he crashed out of that race. So I think those drivers are probably guys that maybe you have to watch out for. Like, I'm not sure if they'd actually win, but. Don't be surprised if they're at any point of the race where they get in into the top 10 and it won't be because of the luck or whatever, because they are pretty good at these tracks, in my opinion. Kaz Grala, of course, I mean, brought it up earlier. You're talking about AJ Allmendinger filling in for bald spot Dylan with his, if you'd go and fake an illness the way he probably faked COVID. Uh, the, they, they with all the stupidity he does, but you know, he got a top 10 finish in a cup car at the Daytona uh, road course earlier this summer, Kaz Grala. So it wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility that 21 car has been fast all year. Uh, he's a wild card for sure um, to go and affect the more unlikely battle between uh, Gumby and uh, Briscoe there um one other person to look at of course is alex lebay he's finished in the top five at this race before he is a road course uh, expert of sorts uh, he got into some controversy at daytona earlier this year uh, but he there in the summer there running that road course but he he's He's a road course guy, former cast car, whatever Canadian tire, Pinties, whatever sponsor they are now, champion, which has a lot of emphasis on road courses. So he's somebody, if they can get the right strategy, get their car together the right way, him and his teammate Preston Partis could be. But really, Alex LeBay has a chance to kind of go and upset the, the field. I mean, is it really going to happen? I don't think so, but... He's the kind of driving talent that it could happen. The Cup Series will be running the Bank of America Roval 400. It'll also be a 38-car field uh, this weekend. We talked about who we figure is going to advance or isn't going to advance. We kind of figure it'll be chalk. But same question lies, Josh. Uh, pick to win who's somebody that we wouldn't give consideration to usually on a weekly basis that maybe in this spot could go and, and, and kind of flip the script. Yeah, I'm going to go, obviously I'm going to go with the hot hand here and go with Chase Elliott. 
and continue his momentum. Like we talked about in the past on this show that he's become some kind of a road course expert of some kind at these tracks. And I think certainly he'll go out here and, and be up front and be in contention to win. And I think he can pull off the victory, but uh, for somebody that maybe we don't have a lot of consideration at these racetracks, uh, I'm going to stay with the playoff driver, and I'm going to go with Alex Bowman. Um, you don't really consider him to be really good at road course racing, but the two times that this series has run at the Oval, he's finished pretty well, and I think he could find himself in contention at the end of this race if he makes the right moves and they, they have uh, the right strategy. So I'll just, for both those picks, I'll just stay on the Hendricks side, I think. Yeah, both solid picks. I I mean, the, the, the straightforward pick, of course, is Clyde. The only road course race they've had this year, he won. Um, I'm going to go Gibbs, and I'm, I'm going to go Martin Truex. He had a chance to win the original Roval race a couple of years ago, and uh, Johnson got into him and uh, Truex got butthurt about that. I I think Truex is in a spot where he can kind of go for it. He knows points are in his favor. Gibbs cars have been good on road courses over the recent past. Um, I think that's a definite opportunity. Get some extra playoff points, get the stage points, the whole bit and go and win this one driver not to i mean i'm not even this is not to win definitely not to win um somebody that if they're actually trying to run this thing legitimately which it didn't seem like they were at uh, daytona um i think james davison is somebody that could kind of flirt with a top 20 finish a uh, professional road racer basically uh hitched his wagon to rick ware which for better or worse driving a lot of cup races here this year, uh, V8 supercar experience, sports car experience, IndyCar, Indy 500 uh, racer, very well versed here. If it rains, it could really play in his favor as well. Um, that's somebody that's kind of like a deep, deep dive here um, on Sunday afternoon uh, to see who, possibly he's going to advance here into round three and also who could go and kind of have a career day for sure. Last thing we'll talk about uh, before we go and kind of get into some of the stuff that's going on with us is the Formula One race. It'll be the uh, Eiffel GP at the Nürburgring. Will uh, the, the easy question is this. Um, is we we thought that Lewis Hamilton more than likely was going to go and get tie Michael Schumacher at uh, at the Putin Drome. It didn't happen. Uh, he did win the pole, but it wasn't in a favorable situation at at Putin Drome. So the question, Josh, straightforward: Does Mike does Lewis Hamilton tie Michael Schumacher Sunday at the Eiffel Grand Prix? by winning his 91st Grand Prix. Yes, uh, I think he wins the the race there, even though they haven't raced there in a few years. Obviously, he's in the best team and um, clearly the best driver in this series, and he'll be able to figure it out through practice sessions and 
and Q1, Q2, and Q3 and probably score the pole most likely and go out there and likely lead uh, every lap and uh, finally tie Michael Schumacher and be kind of fitting because it is in Germany and Mercedes being a German manufacturer, um, I uh, would be all, all basically come everything come full circle and he'll continue to to show why he's currently the best driver in Formula One. Um, then we'll probably see maybe Valtteri Bottas finish in second most likely, and then after that it's probably anybody's guess who can finish in third. Maybe maybe we see a McLaren finish on the podium potentially. Not sure how well Max Verstappen will do in this race. Um, seems to be that he's a little inconsistent this year, and although he could possibly just finish in third on the podium, uh, I don't know if he has the consistency uh, to pull that one out. But it'll be interesting to see kind of what the race looks like uh, after the Mercedes cars. So if you're watching this race on Sunday, basically just going to have to hope that the camera shows more of people from third place on and back. Yeah, I, I would at this point, I mean, I didn't want him to tie uh, at Putin Jerome, but I didn't want it to be as kind of uh, epically mediocre and with the mistakes that he made. And now that he had that run and he finished third and he was pissed off, I figure now he's had two weeks to stew on it. He's going to come back. He's going to be mad. Uh, he's a former winner at the Nürburgring in 2011 for McLaren. Uh, the last winner at the Nürburgring was Sebastian Vettel for Red Bull back in the day in 2013. So uh, those the last two winners of uh, the, uh, the German Grand Prix at uh, Nürburgring will be in this race. And uh, I mean, a lot of what you said, I mean, it's going to be Verstappen, Botas. They're going to be up there. Uh, the kind of chalk look. I think Hambot Ver, Hamverbot basically is going to be the podium. Um, the midfield battle is going to be interesting for sure. The cold temperatures are going to play a key role because the um, these. Uh, uh, tires, Pirelli tires have had issues with uh, either keeping temperature or maintaining temperature. Um, some cars are able to switch the tires on a little better than others. The DOS system, the DAS or DOS, DAS, DAS system, uh, which uh, Mercedes has only uh, to go and warm up the tires might play in their favor, which may in turn make it a runaway. Um, we will see. Uh, what happens there. It'll be an interesting weekend at the Nürburgring, one of the better uh, permanent circuits that exists, one of the more challenging circuits, not a Tilke Drome. I mean, made the first section at Tilke Drome, which you could tell because it's shitty, but most of the circuit was made many years ago, so it's got the flow, it's got, you know, elevation changes, the whole bit. And we'll also see Formula 2, the battle between all the Ferrari Junior drivers. Mick Schumacher is going to be making his FP1 debut uh, for Alfa Romeo. And then Cal Mylott, who will be making his FP1 debut for Haas. And then you have Robert Schwartzman, who will also be making uh, FP1 appearances here during the remainder of this uh, 20 
20 Formula One World Championships. So that'll be something to see as well, kind of a side story between their practice and what they do in the Formula One car, but also what they do in the Formula Two uh, race. Uh, with that, uh, Josh, uh, want to see what uh, you have going out in terms of your socials, but also your um, sim racing, you know, so fantasy football, regular football, et cetera, et cetera. Kind of have a smorgasbord, whatever you want to go on here as we go out here tonight for the GSP. Yeah, I mean, we talked about uh, before we got on the show tonight, and you know, talking about uh, iRacing and all that stuff. And we got the Open Wheels 500 coming up uh, next month, and they just announced the opening period to place an entry uh, for the race. So I'm going to be doing that here uh, very shortly, and and uh, we'll we'll have some representation in this race from this podcast, and hopefully I can qualify and make the field and and uh, be in contention for the race and have have good strategy. And that's kind of what I've been doing on iRacing for the most part lately is just uh, practicing on the IndyCar and getting in some of the fixed IndyCar racing series uh, races on iRacing. And uh, the challenge for me right now is to just – uh, get comfortable in the car as uh, with a uh, open setup and and understand how to prepare the car and uh, and just learn what I need to do to get the numbers right there on the setup sheet and then just run practice laps and get comfortable with the qualifying setup versus the race setup and and being able you know with qualifying being so important you know you have to put put together four really good laps and and I remember when when the fixed series went to Indianapolis uh, like a month ago it was it's pretty difficult even putting together two laps with a, a fixed setup so I think even with an open setup it, it's going to be even a little bit tougher and and you know you just have to have the right amount of steering angle going into the corner and and you, know, you can't go too high or too low because you go too high you'll brush up into the wall you go too low uh, you might spin out going in the car corner so uh, it's gonna be a lot of fun I hope I think and hopefully hopefully get a positive result out of it and looking forward to all of that and uh, I started streaming on twitch this weekend or this past weekend and you can follow that there at uh, twitch.tv slash usailor2 that's spelled y-o-u-s-a-i-l-o-r-2 and uh, you can follow me there as I do streaming for iRacing and maybe some other video games if I feel like it. Uh, right now, just doing some iRacing because that's kind of what I had it all set up for uh, when I kind of got back into sim racing this summer. But um, you can also follow me at, on Twitter at uh, JP Huffine and find all my takes there and and uh, what I'm interested in and tweeting about and um you know, with the fantasy football, I lost last week to you, and this week uh, I got back on the winning side and three and one. Looks like you're the only undefeated team in fantasy, and hopefully, maybe that changes the weekend. I don't know. Well, I don't know about that. I mean, my my regular team is kind of scuffling with all the injuries they got going on. Uh, they don't have a quarterback right now either, but they are playing the Miami Dolphins this weekend. Uh, at the 4:15 uh, slate, 1:15, uh, 4:25, uh, whatever the hell it is, um, slate. But 4-0, uh, get another win against Manny. Uh, the stairway to seven team 
uh, Pittsburgh Steelers fan, of course, there. Um, he, uh, we were able to go and keep it to 4-0, but it doesn't matter. We need to go and keep it going the whole year. Josh has definitely been a great addition to the league for sure. Uh, definitely competitive, knows his stuff, obviously. And uh, we're hoping to have a nice uh, battle here as we go along. Of course, six teams will make the playoffs in the Fall Brawl League. We'll continue to talk about it in more detail as the season uh, goes along. Um, I mean, uh, one in both leagues I'm playing in this this year, so it was nice. Uh, Just fell short of high points again for the second week in a row after getting the first two weeks, getting the high points, um, lost the high points there by about eight, less than eight points there. So uh, we will see. It was a rivalry weekend. It was interesting. Uh, going into week five, I'll be playing my buddy, Professor Jay, who has the I Got Your Five Stars podcast, wrestling podcast. Um, I'll be playing him. Uh, Josh will be playing uh, – Mike Joaquim, the Pit Lane Parley podcast, so part of the podcast battle. So Grip Strip Podcast versus Pit Lane Parley. Um, they definitely have way more followers than we do, and they have a lot longer existence than we do. But uh, GSP has to reign here. Hopefully uh, uh, Josh will be able to do what he has to do and uh, get another win and keep himself in this race early on in the regular season. We're only week five. Uh, a lot of teams are getting affected by COVID now, so it's starting to get real serious. Um, COVID, of course, is picking up uh, all across the United States and in other uh, countries, so it's uh, it's not a joke, unlike some people who think it is. Uh, you can find me at Philip G. Matthew on uh, Twitter, at Philip G. Matthew 28 on Instagram, on Facebook. I share the show um, and share some other things, but otherwise I don't do anything on there in terms of I'll uh, hopefully I'll be on the Formula One Grid Talk or F1, I don't know what they're calling it, the Grid Talk podcast, because I think Liberty Media got to them because they have F1 in their name, uh, George House and that whole group. Um, great uh, crew of Formula One people who love Formula One. Hopefully I'll be on that show on Sunday for the uh, race recap where it'll be me wearing a Lewis Hamilton shirt because he just won his 91st race. That's what I'm hoping. Um, I don't really care what you think. Uh, he's one of the greatest, even if Jackie Stewart hates him because he's black. Um, that's really why he hates him. Um, and he's an old codger. Um and he just is angry about whatever. I mean, I, it, that's the only explanation for why he, he he spends all his time denigrating Lewis Hamilton. I mean, he might as well just say that he it's the same way as the thing was bubble walls. Just say it. Save yourself the trouble. It, 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 it Instead of hiding, hiding behind something, just go and cop to the fact you're racist. You hate black people and you hate the fact that he's a black person that is good one of the best it's ever been and you don't like it just 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 do it world your your world would be a better place uh for sir jackie stewart to be jealous of somebody is kind of interesting at this point in his life when he's like 150 
um, and he almost and there's multiple in situations where he almost died. Um, you would think that he would have a little more um, who care a little less about uh, things like that, but I guess we will see. Um, you can find the Grip Strip Podcast on uh, we're at Grip Strip Pod on Twitter, so give us a follow there. Um, at Philip G. Matthew, as I said earlier, on Twitter. Um, you can find it at philipgmatthew.com, which is uh, my uh, blog website and also where the show gets posted. We're on Apple Podcast, Podbean, Amazon Music, and other places where you can go and find podcasts. Um, for Josh, I'm Phil. Take care of each other. Um, wear a mask social distance be safe and um we'll uh see you next week on the gsp to go over all the stuff that happened at charlotte at nurburgring lamar zolder etc etc take care god bless